Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behavior, sleep, and more. When I fell pregnant, I received a guide from someone on what I could and could not eat. And during the next nine months, I heard a few things about what I should and shouldn't do while pregnant. And I wasn't always sure if they were myths or scientifically proven facts. David Addenbrook is an obstetrician and the co-author of Nine Months, The Essential Australian Guide to Pregnancy. And he's here to explain which, which things are fact and which are fiction. Hi, David. How are you? Good, Siobhan. Nice to speak to you again. Let's start with something. This is something I heard during pregnancy. Um, is reflexology on your feet or calves <laughs> likely to cause a miscarriage? I've never heard anything that um, would link to that. I mean, I don't know enough about reflexology or that sort of acupuncture and the meridians and things to to um, say that you know how the mechanism could be, but I can't personally think of a reason why it would. And I didn't eat salad for the whole nine months. Is that necessary? It depends what's in the salad, I guess. Um, so the, the three things that we worry about women getting from food in terms of uh, bacterial and pathogens are listeria, salmonella, and toxoplasmosis. So, listeria is in, thought to be in things like soft cheeses uh, or undercooked meats or deli meats, and toxoplasmosis can be found in dirt. So, especially if you're getting that sort of organic food that's still got a bit of dirt on it, um, or things straight from the garden. So, I guess if it's a salad, you want to make sure that the veggies and uh, leaves of the lettuce are well washed, and you're avoiding the soft cheeses. And sushi? Sushi. Um, I guess with that one, it's once again with the, the, the food preparation and, and the idea of undercooked, um, undercooked foods. So sashimi, for example, might be a little bit off the radar. Um, there is a, there's a little bit with fish uh, with a concern with mercury. So fish is obviously good for the omega-3 fatty acids and baby's brain development, but there are some guidelines that would recommend limiting fish to three serves a week because of a, another concern about mercury. Um, with soft cheeses, now I'm going to display my full ignorance here. Um, I remember talking to someone about soft cheeses and they said, I don't know why it's a problem in Australia because all of our cheese is pasteurized. Yeah. And that's, I mean, the thing about pasteurized, when it comes to milk, you want to have pasteurized milk and that should knock off any bugs. And the sort of stuff you get in the supermarket, in the, the fridge aisle is probably fine and the thing is you can go eat those those cheeses all the time and you probably won't get listeria and listeria is not a silent bug you're not going to have listeria have no idea about it and have it affect your baby usually if you get listeria you've got really bad gastric symptoms and diarrhea body aches and fevers and if we know about it we can treat it quite well with penicillin but it, it can have an effect on the fetus and obviously you don't don't get listeria every time you eat these things but it's more about the caution of this is where they could be and there's been scares in things even as benign as rock melons in the media so um, there's only so careful you can be mm. and and especially when it comes to things that have been pasteurized in the fridge and, and the hard cheeses particularly you're pretty safe right so what is it about soft cheeses that is more concerning then Oh, that's, not, that's probably more of a question for someone who has the cheese, but it, it's because of the, the, the fermentation processes and um, being kept in sort of more room temperature and the fact that they use some types of bacteria to help mature them, I guess. Oh, okay. All right. Well, let's talk about exercise. So you always hear kind of errant stories of women who've like run marathons while pregnant. Mm. Is there any danger to your baby 
if you continue to exercise as you did pre-baby? Yeah, so the, the current thing that exercise during pregnancy is is um, very good for you like it is when you're not pregnant. And we should encourage people to, to continue exercising to their normal capacity. Um, there's been no evidence that exercise links to miscarriage or preterm labour in otherwise low-risk pregnancies. These are women who aren't having bleeding or threatened preterm labour or um, broken waters or other complicated factors. So um, definitely we recommend that. We just avoid try and avoid things which have a risk of actually bumping the baby, so the high-impact things like horse riding and skiing. And if you did that, you'd want to be taking your own risk and just doing it once again to your capacity. So um, there's nothing to say that you would have to stop weight training, for example? No. So, I mean, a lot of the, the, the recommendations for exercise in pregnancy are about strength training and aerobic exercise. So we don't like the sort of exercises where you are deliberately holding your breath and and um, and avoiding oxygen for prolonged periods of time. And, and later in pregnancy, things where you're lying on your back like a bench press because you don't like that sort of pressure with the baby compressing the blood flow back to the heart. Um, but strength training in general is fine. And I guess being a bit careful with pelvic floor, if you're doing weight training where it's putting all that pressure down to your pelvic floor, you want to also have a, a bit of a pelvic floor training regime to keep those muscles in good tone so you're not contributing to weakness down there. And what about something like yoga? So in yoga classes, they'll often say, if you're pregnant, don't, um, don't do these twisting exercises. Obviously, there comes a point when you can't, it's, it's uncomfortable to lie on your stomach from the very beginning, but um, yeah. there, there comes a point when physically it's, you don't do that anyway, but should we be avoiding twisting? I guess the, the thought there is when you're pregnant, all your collagen is deliberately getting softer. There's a hormone that's aptly named relaxin that's in high levels in pregnant women that makes the collagen stretchier. And that's to allow the pelvis to open and spine to shift and the diaphragm and the ribs to up and making room for that baby. So, yeah, it's true that the, the ligaments have a bit more laxity during pregnancy and women can be a bit more at risk of, of putting um, their back out or, or doing other things. So doing yoga that was beyond your capacity or starting it for the first time when you're pregnant and going into those high impact sort of all those advanced twisting maneuvers would probably be unadvisable but gentle yoga perfect you know i mean aerobic stuff where you're breathing relaxing that was only going to the baby let's talk about when you actually want to get labor going hmm. does having sex help i don't know that there's any good studies that prove it uh, but it makes sense that it should because the, the thing that we use to get people into labour artificially is a hormone called prostaglandin, and we know that there's levels of prostaglandin in the semen, so that should only help to soften the cervix and get things ready. Um, we also know that, that physically stretching the cervix with fingertips, which a doctor would do called a membrane sweep, has got good evidence that it helps to bring on labour sooner or can induce labour in people who are really ready to go. So that sort of stimulation of the cervix during sex will probably be beneficial as well. But I can't give you any hard scientific data because it's a really hard thing to um, study scientifically. <laughs> I can imagine. What about a hot curry or raspberry leaf tea? Okay, raspberry leaf tea um, may have some benefit, but it's, it's certainly not harmful. I, my opinion when it comes to hot curries and things that stimulate the gastrointestinal tract is they're probably giving women some tummy cramps which are not causing labour but make them feel a bit like they are. We know that if oh, any that organ sounds next, terrible. <laughs> we know that if there's any organ next to the uterus that's a bit inflamed, it can create some tightness, and we call that in in medicine an irritable uterus. So if women get a bladder infection or gastroenteritis, they often get 
irritable tightenings in the uterus that feel painful, but they're not going to establish into labour. So if you give yourself a bit of an upset tummy with castor oil or, or hot curries, it may create a few of those tightenings, which, you know, they may then lead into labour, but I don't know if there's any proof. And raspberry leaf tea, is there any danger in having it too early in pregnancy? We usually recommend not starting those sorts of things till 36 weeks because we don't want you to have anything that that could have an association with softening the cervix or starting labour until we know the baby would be ready to come. So from 36 to 37 weeks, we're actively wanting baby to come and get your body ready. But prior to that, we don't want to encourage things which could contribute. And that includes things like um, expressing breast milk and stimulating um, the breast ducts because that can then lead to some reflex tightening as well. David, um, those were all the questions I had. Are there any myths that you've heard you'd like to dispel before we go? Um, not so much a myth, but I guess when it comes to that idea of the, the collagen laxity, when people want to use uh, uh, sort of alternative therapies or um, other sort of supportive medicine techniques such as acupuncture and chiropractic, the main thing is just to, to make sure that you see a practitioner knows what they're doing and is used to dealing with pregnant women and the, the degree of laxity that they have in their, in their joints and their collagen. David, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. That's David Adambrook. He's an obstetrician and the co-author of Nine Months, The Essential Australian Guide to Pregnancy. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Debbie Ning and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. We'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.